morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good? It's good to see you. And if you're worshiping online, welcome. It was probably about five weeks ago. Um, I forget what we were doing at our house. And Sarah was doing something on her phone. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm getting myself an eye appointment. She's like, when I'm sitting in front of the screens, when I'm reading late at night, my eyes are starting to bother me. And then she looked at me and she's like, you probably need to get your eyes checked. And I'm like, nope. Have perfect vision, you guys. Like, never had a problem with my vision at all. But we both end up going to the eye doctor. And if you've ever done that, like the technician looks at you and you do that. And then you go in with the eye doctor. And so I go in with the eye doctor and he does the chart thing. Have you guys done that where you read the letters? So I go, you know, I'm nailing all the chart, like going through the letters. Get to the smallest thing and I'm going to impress him, right? So I do all of that. And I'm like, so I got them all right. He's like, Aaron, you didn't get almost any of those right. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? I have perfect vision, like 20-20, never have had a problem in my life with my eyesight. And he's like, no, you have what's called astigmatism. And he's like, your eyes are not seeing stuff clearly. Um, Things are really blurry, like your eyes are working really hard. And I thought, you're trying to trick me. That's what you're doing right now. Like, you're trying to trick me. Because I know I can see stuff. And he's like, no... You can't. And so he's like, these are the prescriptions you need. And so he's like, we're going to order you these glasses. They'll come in in a few weeks. And so I went back and when they called me and they were like, hey, um, we want you to, to come in. Your glasses are in. And I remember walking out of the place and putting them on for the first time and thinking, wow, this is what the world's supposed to look like. <laughs> and I'm driving home. And so I told Sarah, like when I drove home the first time, It was the first time I could actually see the distance between the stoplight and the overpass. And she's like, Aaron, that is scary. You've been driving for years now. 20-some years you've been going around like this. I had no idea. um, And I'm still doing this. If you guys see me do this, like I'm like, it's just so weird. We were at the movie theater the other day, and I always just thought the screen was blurry. I just thought that's the way it was. Didn't know any different, so I keep doing this. And I'm just amazed at how clear it is. And I share that with you because of what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about heaven. And there's a lot of things we think we know about heaven, and I assume it's more like this. We can't really see it, you guys. It's blurry. It's out of focus. We don't understand the depth of what God is talking about when he talks about heaven. And so today we're going to try to get a little bit closer to maybe what it looks like, although I realize we probably won't fully understand what heaven looks like. And the ironic thing is today we're going to talk about what we've been talking about the past few weeks, that we will work in heaven. And some of you may think, I don't want to work now. There's no way I want to work in heaven. That's not a good thing, okay? I don't want to do that. But, um, but we're going to talk about what would work look like in heaven. If the Bible talks about this and what are some of our maybe misconceptions and what does God speak about when he talks about heaven and what this looks like. Now, this has been a part of a series of conversations and maybe you're joining us for the first time, but we've called this series Garden City. And today we're going to talk about why exactly, but it was a book that we read by a Christian pastor and author. And he's talking about this, how we're created to work, that God gives each of us individual talents and unique gifts that no one else possesses and that we're called to use that for the glory of God and to put the kingdom of God on display and so 
these conversations that we've been having the past few weeks have been sparked out of this book, Garden City. And I promised I would. This is um, one more book to give away this morning. And so, Eddie, I want to give it to you. I don't think you have it yet. Sophie, if you could take that back to him. You guys, our production team hardly gets to participate in the service, so that's a gift to you back there because you guys do so much amazing stuff for us. So, um, But I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a copy of this, to pick it up. It is a really challenging, some of the thoughts that we've been going through, and to kind of reflect on those in different ways of what God talks about and what he means when he's talking about work, and even what does this look like after life, this call to work for eternity. To work for eternity. Not just a length of time, but that what we're doing right now will actually matter even after our life is done. That the work that we're doing is for eternity and it's going to last forever. And so I want to start with this simple question that I want you to reflect on here. What is heaven like? You don't have to say it out loud, but what is heaven like? What did you grow up maybe thinking heaven was like? Or maybe as you've come into a relationship with Jesus, what do you imagine heaven to be like? As I started to research this, I realized we spend a lot of time maybe talking about the wrong things of heaven. Like we talk about um, this idea of where is heaven at? Is it out there somewhere, like beyond the stars? Um, Could we travel to it? Is it like another dimension, like Marvel or something, right? And eventually we'll kind of transport there and something like we... We really spend a lot of time focusing on that, or um, I've heard churches spend so much time and speakers spend so much time on when will heaven happen, like at some point in the future that this will end and something new will start and we'll then be in the kingdom of God and what this will look like. And there's just so many different questions I thought we could spend so much time talking about that and probably never even really get anywhere when we think about that. But there are some things that we do know about heaven that the scriptures are very clear about when it comes to heaven with what God is talking about. There's misconceptions that we had. I remember growing up, and there was this song that we would sing in church, and it said, I've got a mansion just over a hilltop. And so really, that's what I had in my mind, that heaven is just an eternal retirement home, that we'll all get there and kind of just kick back in our beautiful houses, and we'll each own our individual castles, right? And and that's what it'll be like, and everything will just be, you know, kind of just relaxed there, and we'll just be chilling out in heaven. And we we think of that because of John chapter 14, if you've ever read that, where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, in my father's house, there's a lot of dwelling places. And somewhere along the way, we thought, well, that meant a mansion, and that that's my own personal castle. Like, you can't come into my castle, that's my mansion, that's my castle. But what Jesus is actually saying is he's talking about one large house with a lot of different dwelling places in there. And this idea of community and connection that we're together in this place that God is preparing for us. We have other thoughts like, well, maybe we'll get to heaven and we'll sing for all eternity. Because if you've ever read the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 7, John talks about this moment where there's this multitude of people, people from every tribe and nation and language and people group all around the world, and they're declaring the praises of God. And so we kind of attached ourselves to that one verse, and we thought, well, we'll just sing and worship for all eternity. Let me tell you, if you have to listen to me sing for all eternity, that's not heaven for anyone, okay? 
because I am not a good singer. I think there will be moments where we're worshiping through song, where we're worshiping through instruments, but I don't know if that's the entire picture of what heaven is because we see in other parts of the Bible that it's talked about a little differently. We have ideas that maybe we'll just be floating on a cloud playing a harp. And I don't even know where we got that because that's nowhere in Scripture, okay? Nothing in Scripture even talks about anything like that. We see a different picture. So we do, we have these misconceptions when it comes to heaven and what it'll be like or what we think about heaven. And so like we do all the time, we want to go back to Scripture and say, God, when you talk about this, when you talk about your kingdom, God, and your dwelling place and what that'll look like and us being with you, what are the things that you highlight? What are the things that you focus on? What is it that you talk about? And so we've been talking about this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and I'm going to hit a few verses here, so you may want to write these down and reflect on them later, but we see all of this began in a garden, and that's important to note. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, this is Genesis 2, 15, and he told him to work it and to take care of it. To work it and to take care of it. We talked about that. The Lord commanded him, you're not to eat from the tree in the garden. Um, or you, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, if you do, you will certainly die. So we see this picture of God placing man in the garden and saying, hey, you're going to work it, cultivate it. God's been creating. And now we talked about this. He invited men and women to join in on his creation. And there were natural resources in the garden. We talked about the rivers flowing near it and the raw materials, the metals, the gems, all of those things that were there. And so when we come to the end of this story, that was at the very beginning. When we come to the end, look at how God talks about this place. John says in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 3, this guy named John is writing to the early church about what he saw, this vision of heaven. He, saw, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and first earth had passed away. Um, I could preach an entire message on what people think passed away means because there's a lot of thoughts about that. He says there's no longer any sea in this place. That's kind of interesting. Don't know why that's in there, but there's no longer any sea in this place. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And this is an image of the church. It's actually the people of God coming into this place that John is seeing. That's how the church is always talked about. A, beautifully bride, a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice. Look at this. The Lord God's dwelling place is now among his people. When God talks about heaven, doesn't talk just about streets of gold, okay? Doesn't talk just about beautiful gems or pearly gates. Here's how God talks about heaven. I finally get to be really close to my people. His dwelling place is now among us. There's not any kind of separation that we've been experiencing in this world. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. So what we're really clear about in heaven, the main thing that God highlights here is this. God will be with us. It's his presence that will be near to us. In Revelation 22, verses 1 through 2, look at this imagery. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb down the middle of the great streets of the city. 
We start in a garden, we end up in a city. It's an interesting thing to note there. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. In the original garden, there was a tree of life. At the end in the city, there is the tree of life. It's bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And so there is this imagery that we get of God cultivating what he meant for us to do all along, that we start in a garden, we end up in a city um, that God has created, that God has formed, and that we actually get to be a part of. So this idea of, hey, let's just get through life, and then we get to rest. Okay? If I can just make it through this and put up with life long enough, then eventually I'll get to some place where I can maybe sing forever, or I get to retire for all eternity, and it's going to be good. That's not the exact picture that God paints when he's talking about heaven. And here's the important thing to note. That's kind of a dangerous mindset to have, church. Because here, whether we acknowledge it or not, if we think like that, what we begin to tell ourselves is, hey, none of this really matters, right? Like it's all eventually probably going to get burned up, passed away, like it's going to be gone forever, and then we'll go on to this new thing, and this doesn't really matter, where when God talks about heaven and when he talks about work and what we're doing, he talks about this as really impacting eternity and what that will look like. And the imagery that we get from that, that this actually does matter, and that's what we've been talking about, that the work and the purpose that God has given us will last forever. And Paul talks about that, that our work will be tested. And some of it, probably not great work, and it's going to be burned up. And others of it will last for all eternity. He describes it as kind of precious jewels, worship that we will offer to our king, to our creator, to God, of God, look what I did with what you gave me, with the purpose that you put in my life. So this work matters, and it goes on. And so I want us to think about this. This week, as you're heading back into work, once again, whatever that work is, for some of you, you may be a stay-at-home parent, and it may be things that you're doing in this season to care for kids or to care for your family or to care for your house. You may have another occupation or employment. You may be a student, and you're not wanting to think about it yet, but school is coming up, the work that God has given you. When God talks about work, God's work is full of purpose, and it's full of pleasure. God's work is full of purpose, and it's full of pleasure. And we see this in Isaiah 65. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Isaiah 65. Isaiah was this prophet who spoke God's word to his people. And Isaiah, a lot of what he wrote wasn't just for the time that he was in. He was writing about the future, about some other time when the kingdom, what he describes as the kingdom of heaven would come to the people of God. That God's work would connect, right, with what God was doing and with his people. And so this is one of those passages where Isaiah is talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and what this will look like. And look at the words that he uses. Isaiah 65, he says this, talking about this time. They will build houses and dwell in them. Now that scares me a little bit. When our daughter Angela was six years old, I built her a bunk bed and it collapsed while she was laying on it. Okay? I'm no Travis Rohde, okay? Don't have those kinds of skills. Let me just tell you, no one was injured in the collapse, okay? Everyone was fine. No one was hurt. But 
I don't know what kind of house I would build, but he's saying, hey, they will build houses and they'll dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat of their fruit. He's more talking about the work that we will do and and the life that God has given us. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the day of a tree, so will the days of my people be. And then if you have your Bible, I want you to highlight this because this is really important. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. Just stop and think about that for a moment. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. Now that's a future verb there. They will not labor in vain. That's not something that we did in the past a long time ago. That's right now when Isaiah is talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, us being present in it. And he says they will not labor in vain. The work that we're doing will have purpose, and it'll have meaning. I remember um, there's this movie that I love to watch. Sarah does not like it. It's an old Tom Hanks movie, and it opens up with this kind of dreary work scene. And you see hundreds of people in this concrete parking lot walking towards this factory. It's raining. They're walking through puddles, right? It's all dreary, and the soundtrack is perfect, right? It's kind of um, that dreary, kind of monotonous music, and everyone's shoulders is down. And that's a lot of times what we think about work, right? Kind of this drudgery. No one wants to go to it. Everyone's frustrated. Everyone's upset. And yet when God talks about this in heaven, he's saying they will long enjoy the work of their hands. Let me try to give you a picture of what that looks like. Students, think about your favorite subject in school, okay? The subject that you like to do. And you've been doing the homework. And you've been working hard. And it gets to that moment where you finally understand that algebra problem, right? You finally get the chemistry equation. You finally know where the preposition, noun, and verb go in the sentence, right? And it's more than just getting an A on the test or an A on the homework. It all comes together and you're like, it finally makes sense now. I've got it. And there's a little bit of joy in that hard work that you've done. That's what God says it'll always be like in heaven when you're working. Or you're a manager, right? You're over other people and you've been training, you've been teaching them. You're trying to get them to get it and it just seems like they struggle with it. But in that moment where they interact with the customer correctly or they deal with the product in the right way and you're like, you finally get it. Yes, you've got it. And there's joy in that moment. You will long enjoy the work of your hands. It'll be there. If you're a teacher, in that first moment, you see that student's eyes light up and you're like, they get They get what I've been trying to teach them, like they understand it. They've learned something new, and now they can take that, and they can go use that and help others and and develop others like they understand what I've been doing. That's what heaven will be like. You will long enjoy the work of your hand, and your labor will not be in vain. Like sometimes we have those moments where we forget, like, why am I even doing this? Why do I have to learn math? Why do I have to take English? I already know how to speak English, right? I don't need an English class. All of those things that you say, you won't ask those in heaven. You'll understand the purpose of the work that you are doing. Why am I doing this? And heaven will realize that, the purpose of the work that God has given us. That's what the work will be like in heaven. And that's what God is saying. This is the imagery when God talks about work in heaven. 
It's not going to be frustrating. It's not going to be depressing that there will be a joy in that. If you've ever built something, right, and all the pieces, right, screw together properly, and Ikea finally got it right, right, and everything comes together, and there's kind of that aha moment, yes, that's what heaven will be like. You'll long enjoy the work of your hands. You'll see that purpose. Your labor will not be in vain. This is how God talks about that. Not in an, in an eternal retirement home, okay? But that there will actually be things that we're doing to create, to use what God has given us to build and to make things that are beautiful, a masterpiece with whatever is the talents that God has given you. Those things, like we'll realize those in heaven in a different way than we've ever seen them. But it's not just the work that we do, it's also a rhythm of rest that God's given us, like we talked about that. And so in just a few verses, or a few chapters earlier, in Isaiah 25, verse 6, it says this, On the mountaintop, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all the peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. So when God is talking about his kingdom, when, eight, when Isaiah is painting this picture, he talks about enjoying a meal together. Now, when I pictured this this week, I got a good image of this, okay? Because we were in Georgia visiting family. Um, so we were there visiting Sarah's um, sister and her brother-in-law. And so I thought, I love barbecue. Let me get some Georgia barbecue. You guys, they don't have anything on Texas, okay? So when we're talking about this, I imagine some great guys from Texas out over the grill the best of meats, right? Slow cooking, some brisket and some pork and knowing how to cook. And that's what we're going to enjoy together. So when God talks about this, it's not like we work and we never rest. It's these rhythms of creating, of understanding there's joy in the work that we do and there's purpose. We understand why God's calling us to do that. And then we sit down and we eat together and we feast and we enjoy the pleasure and the goodness of what God has given us. This is the imagery that God talks about when he's talking about heaven, that there is work with purpose and there's pleasure in what God has called us to do in the work that we have. When God talks about heaven in the scriptures, in this idea, we're challenged to see work as this, that we need to work as if it will last forever because it will. We need to work as if it will last forever because it will. Now, I'm not saying the product that you sell, right, or the spreadsheet that you create or, or those exact things, that those are going to last for all eternity, but the work that God has given you to do, the purpose and the gifts and the talents that God has placed in your life that are unique to you, those things are going to be with us in eternity. Like we're cultivating those things right now, and they're not just going to fade away, they're going to last. N.T. Wright, this famous scholar, when he's talking about 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 58, and I'll read that here in a moment. This is what he says. He says, what you do in the present, whether that's painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, building, digging, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor, all of that will last in God's future. These activities are not simple ways of making the present a little bit more bearable 
or a little less beastly until the day where we leave it all behind. It's a part of us building the kingdom of God the way that it should be built. That idea that we right now have that ability to build the kingdom of God the way that it should be built. And what we're doing right now not only affects this moment, but it also affects eternity. And what God has called us to do and what the kingdom of God will look like, what God has been preparing for us. We have the ability right now to engage in that. The last thought as we think about work and what God's talking about, even as we look at this idea of heaven, it's this that right now and for all eternity, we are called to put God's kingdom on display right now through the work that you and I do. We're called to put the kingdom of God on display right now through the work that you and I do. In 1 Corinthians 5.58, it says this, Paul is writing to the church, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, once again, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but if we're not careful, we think, oh, what Paul is talking about there is praying, or he's talking about reading scripture. Or he's talking about, um, you know, coming together in a room like this. And that's the work of the Lord. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being a carpenter. He's talking about being an accountant. He's talking about being a lawyer. He's talking about being a teacher or a salesperson or whatever it is that you do. That the work that God has given you to do, it's not in vain. That it's building for something, that it can be used for the kingdom of God. And we keep coming back to this thought over and over again that the work God has called you to do, it is meant to bring him glory no matter what that work is. That you would glorify God. Students, you would do your homework so well that it would bring glory to God and also make your parents happy. Okay, (laughs) That we would do the work that God has given us to do in a way that would bring glory to him. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, Aaron, I've sat through four weeks of this and you keep saying that same thing over and over again. Yeah, there's a reason for that. It's because some of us have had this wrong mindset for 10, 20, 30 years in the way that we're working. And we need to hear over and over again. Hey, this isn't about a paycheck. This isn't about just getting some things so that we can buy some nicer things to have fun. That's not what this is about. God, what I do. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, or whatever your work schedule looks like, what I do, God, is meant to bring you glory. It's meant for something more than just a little bit more money in my bank account, God. It's meant to put your kingdom on display. And you care about me enough that you even want to talk about the work that I do and how that's a part of your kingdom. And how that will even be a part of what heaven looks like. And God, what heaven means. And and God, what we're called to do in heaven. We started this whole series talking about this. That God, when he spoke about work, he used this word kabosh, which means to rule and to reign with God. We talked about the second week, this word abad, which means to worship. That the work that we do is actually a service and a worship to God. And that it's going to last. It's going to go on. And I want to leave you with this one last story and this thought. And then I'll close this in prayer. Right now, I am in the process of teaching our son Gabe how 
to drive. If you've ever been a parent, it's a frustrating process, okay? Um, but actually, he's, he's pretty great, and we're just starting on that. He's done the online portion, but if you've ever done that in the state of Texas, there's like 40-some hours where you have to be in the car with the person you're teaching to drive, and you're telling them all the small things that you already know, right? Like checking the mirrors, blinkers, traffic signs, what they mean, like when to merge, when to speed up, all of those things. 40-some hours, I'm going to teach him. At some point, Gabe will get his license and get his own car, because I don't want him to wreck mine, right? So he's going to get his own vehicle. And my hope in that moment is not that Gabe would say, okay, thanks, Dad, but none of that really matters anymore. I'm going to kind of do my own thing. Or I don't need to think about all of that time that you invested in me. I'm just going to kind of figure it out on my own and kind of go, or Something's magically going to happen when the DMV gives him that license where he's now perfect at driving. That'd be kind of a silly thought, right? And yet that's how many of us think about heaven. God, something will magically happen on the other side of this life. And it'll all figure itself out. When God's saying, no, I'm investing years in you right now. I'm investing time in you right now. I'm pouring myself into you right now because it's going to matter into eternity. That's what I'm doing in your life. There's a process I'm taking you on. Not that one day you'll just forget about or ignore or never think about. It's a process to grow you and to develop you so that it'll work to live in my kingdom, to live in the kingdom of heaven, to be a part of what I'm doing because I want to be near to you. And you guys, there's probably some misconceptions that we're carrying with us that we need to maybe refocus a little bit and say, God, what's happening here, it does matter for eternity. And God, the work that you've called me to do, Lord, it's important because you're developing something in me that I, maybe I fully don't understand or under, figured out how it's all going to come together. But God, you're going to use that in eternity. You're going to use that, God, as part of your kingdom, and it's going to be part of the way that we worship God in heaven. Whatever that looks like, wherever it's at, whenever it's at, God, you're going to use that as part of a way for me to glorify you and to put your goodness on display for others to see. So I want to take a moment and pray for you. If you would bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe you're here, you're watching online, maybe you've been scrolling through videos and you just stopped at this one and that's not the image that you have of God. Maybe your thoughts about God are vastly different or about heaven or what life is like after this. But the Bible's very clear, this is a God who wants to be near to us. And he says that my desire is for my presence and where I'm at for that to be where my people are at, for us to dwell together, for me to be close to you. That's God's desire. That's what he wants. And if you're here, you're listening to this, and you feel disconnected from God, the beautiful story of the Bible is that although we've messed up and we've sinned and we've rebelled against God, Jesus came and he paid the price. And he walked here on this earth and he gave his life so that we could be reconnected with God. We could spend eternity living with Him 
a life full of purpose, a life full of joy, a life full of meaning. And it doesn't just happen on the other side of this life. God wants to begin that right now. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray this out loud with me. You may be sitting by yourself with no one else there to hear you, but I want to challenge you to to pray this out loud together. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I feel disconnected from you. But I want a relationship with you. So forgive me of my sins. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray in your name. Amen. Now, church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate for anyone that may have prayed that prayer? And I just want to encourage you with this. If you feel disconnected and you pray that God is doing something in your life, he wants that relationship with you. And we here um, at NCC, we say this, we don't want you to have to walk this Christian life out by yourself. We don't believe anyone was meant to to walk this Christian journey by themselves, that we do this together in community. And so if you're here this morning and you pray that and you're like, yes, I want that relationship with God, we want to walk with you. And there's a simple way that you can do that. You can scan that QR code that's right there that you see on the screens um, this morning. And one of our New Life coaches wants to reach out to you and just encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God and to continue to develop in growing closer to God. And there's one more way that we want to respond here this morning. Um, We've made the message a little bit shorter because we want to take a moment and talk about what God's just challenged us with. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put about five minutes up on the screen. And we have three questions that we're going to walk through together. And so if you're here in the room, um, you may have to slide a little bit over on your seat or turn around, find someone else around you. Could be with the people that you came with. And we want to talk about these questions. What God is challenging us with some of the things that we talked about. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you, don't just sit there, but in the chat box, in the comment box, um, reflect on these, share with others what you feel kind of challenged with in this moment. And so here are the three questions we're going to look at this morning. The first is just sharing like, hey, growing up, what did you think about heaven? Like, what were your thoughts about heaven? Um, What is work that you would love to do in heaven? What is one thing that you enjoy that you would love to be in heaven? So kind of that idea of the purpose that God has given us, the pleasure that God talks about in his kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven. And then that last question, if what we are going to do is going to last forever, is there anything that you need to change in your work to make sure that what will last is valuable? Is there anything God's been challenging you or maybe even this morning to shift some things so that the work that you do, that it's valuable and it's going to last. So we're going to take about five minutes together. And once again, with someone around you, um, let's take a moment. Let's dialogue about these questions.